and welcome to Bookless Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk collection development, reader's advisory, and reference right into your little ears. I'm Susan McGuire, your guide on this journey through all things bookish and library land. Today, we're going to step a little outside of what is strictly library land, but don't worry, we are still extremely bookish. Here's the thing. As much as patrons love us for our book knowledge, they also find book knowledge elsewhere. That's why we keep up with things like bestseller lists, because we know patrons will see the list when they read the paper, in whatever form they read the paper. That's why it's a good idea to keep up with a site like Book Riot, and to occasionally tip your toe into Goodreads, because that's where patrons are getting bookish information. To that end, on today's show, I talk to the hosts of a great civilian reading podcast. In more or less their own words, Reading Glasses is a weekly podcast about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better, hosted by author and book devourer Mallory O'Meara and filmmaker and e-reader Bria Grant. In each 45-ish minute episode, Mallory and Bria explore some corner of the reading world with the goal of helping listeners find books that appeal to them and to give them the tools to read more. Their work often abuts that of the reader's advisor. Every week, they help a reader with a bookish problem, which often results in reading recommendations. But beyond that, they dive into issues like appeal elements, which they call wheelhouses, and reading doorways and other topics that get to the heart of why a reader likes a book and how they can find more like it, which, when you get down to it, is exactly what's at the heart of reader's advisory. Mallory and Brea and I talked about wheelhouses, engaging with an audience, finding good books for listeners, and, of course, what they're reading now. Next, audio editor Heather Booth explores some of the books she's not including on the best of lists. She's not naming names, but every reader and listener will relate. Then, I talk to senior editor in the Books for Youth section, Maggie Reagan, about what she's reading and loving, and we talk about books for healing and books for fun. It's a great conversation, but first, a word from some friends. Want to share that great Booklist Reader's Advisory content with your patrons? Now it's easy with Booklist Reader, a selection of backlist booklists and best ofs designed with your patrons' reading needs in mind. Want to know the best book group books? Booklist Reader has a list. Looking for great middle grade graphic novels? There's a list for that. What about the best mysteries and thrillers on audio? You better believe Booklist Reader has a list for that, too. Best of all, the titles featured are already on your shelves, so no need for frustrating holds cues. Booklist Reader is included with your subscription to Booklist, so you can share this digital magazine on your library's website or newsletters. Find Booklist Reader on booklistonline.com reader hyphen issues and start sharing the great reader's advisory content with your patrons today. Reading Glasses is the podcast designed to, as they say, help you make the most of your reading life. Every week, hosts Bria Grant and Mallory O'Meara talk about what they're reading, solve listeners' bookish problems, explore book tech, and discuss such topics as the best bags to carry books in, how to retain more of what you read, what to do when your reading tastes change, and a deep dive into an Amish romance. That was a fun one. (laughs) The reason I'm telling you all of this is that Reading Glasses is an excellent resource for library workers who do readers' advisory. They talk books, yes, but listeners will learn a lot about what readers like by hearing them take a dive into a reader's wheelhouse or what they're into reading and making book recommendations based on that. Plus, it's a great way to keep up with the book world. I'm also telling you this because they're right here. Bria and Mallory, (laughs) welcome to Shelf Care, the podcast. Thanks. Right here virtually. We're virtually right here. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for having us. (laughs) 
So let's get into it. Talk to me about the concept of the wheelhouse. How did you come to identify it? What do you do with it? And then what are your wheelhouses? I'm not sure how we started, how we came to identify. Do you remember, Mallory? Most of the ongoing things on reading glasses sort of develop just because we keep getting emails about them. Yeah. <laughs> we get a lot of fan mail. We get a lot of listener participation. And early on in the show, we started talking about, you know, things that were in our wheelhouses, which is a phrase I got from the Book Riot podcast. Mm-hmm. And then some point early on in the show, we thought, all right, we're always talking about things that are in our wheelhouse. Like, why don't we just talk about what is your wheelhouse? And we started to make, we both of us had made a list of all the things that were interesting to both of us, like things that we like specifically. And then the listeners of the show loved the concept so much. We started getting uh, people emailing us, telling us what their wheelhouses were. Even if the email had nothing to do with that, at the end of it, they'd be like, and here's my wheelhouse. And then we started reading them on the show and it really just took off from there. And now it is definitely like a a central tenant of the reading glasses world. And uh, we love it. Yeah. And, um, and the definition is is basically something that will make you pick up a book no matter what. So it's it's it's, you know, th- if it has this thing inside the book and I know that I'm going to pick it up and read it. So it and it kind of helps people to define what they're interested in, because we're mm-hmm. really big advocates of not continuing to read things just because you feel like you have to or, or finish a book that you don't like. And and one way we can really help people do that is help them to identify their wheelhouses. Yeah, it's like subjects, tropes, uh, settings, you know, type of writing, whatever it is. Like for me, um, top thing in my wheelhouse is haunted houses. I love werewolves. I love circuses. But for settings, I also, for some reason, I love books set in Florida. I will always pick up a book set in Florida or in New England uh, because that's where I'm from. And, um, you know, I, I love feminist memoirs. So it doesn't necessarily always have to be a subject or a trope. But we found that identifying those things can really help readers pick up more things that they like. You know, a lot of people have that experience where they pick up a book and they're like, I love this and I want more books by it. But when they are pressed, like, okay, well, what, what do you want to read? They're like, I don't know, just more, something more like this. And right. uh, I think the I, the wheelhouse identification helps people kind of dial in into what specifically they're they're connecting with. Yeah. And my wheelhouse is, you know, it's ever changing. Um, we're always we're always updating. About once a year, I feel like we do a up, uh, wheelhouse yeah. update. But mine generally involves a woman on a journey or a person on a journey, both emotional or physical. I love a book set on a road or a road trip. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of that. I like books that are sci-fi, our world, but different is what I've been calling it, which is um, <laughs> it's like our world, but slightly different or something changes it. What else do I like, Mallory? Um, I, I like big, Anything I like space. space. I like my big things. I love big, like big wild locations. If things are in like a really interesting location, I'm far more likely to pick it up. And um, I also love climates. Yeah, extreme climates. And then I also love like nonfiction books um, about the brain. And lately I've realized that I like a lot of translated Japanese or Korean books translated into English. That's been a new thing in my oh, house. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think about what my wheelhouse is. And I think um, I'm always a sucker for a love story, no matter what kind of book it is. If there's right. a, a, It doesn't even have to be a happy ending, but if there's a love story in it, <laughs> I'm like, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And then a very strong narrative voice. So I, and I think the book that illustrates that the best is um, Remains of the Day, which is like, right. has a really uh, 
like a really repressed love story, but it's still there. If you're looking for it, you can find it. And then it's just (laughs) such a deep point of view that I really loved it. So that's mine, I think. Great, great. We find that as people listen to the show more, they're their wheelhouses expand. Like people will send us very pages and pages like, Oh, that's mine too. And there's definitely a lot of people. There's, there's things that come up again and again. And, and, uh, uh, with, with our listeners, but I think just as books start to change and book trends start to change, we've noticed certain things come up again and again. Yeah. Oh, and anything with a librarian, I'll always pick. Oh, great. Yes. There you go. Yes. That's a big glasser wheelhouse too. librarians and bookstores. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your process for coming up with recommendations for readers who write in? Well, I mean, people generally, what's funny is that uh, it it gets, as we've gone on with the show, it has gotten easier for us because people now write in with their wheelhouses or the wheelhouses of someone. We get a lot of recommendation requests on behalf of somebody else, which is really funny. We get a lot of like, please give me a book for my dad or my boyfriend, my mom, my friend. Uh, but they've started including like the wheelhouse items for said person, um, which just makes it really, really easy for us. And um, it, it's it, picking a recommendation for someone is uh, it's sort of like a big uh, flow chart, you know, what, like starting with wheelhouse items. A lot of people ask for a certain type of protagonist or a certain age group, and that's a good place to start. And then, uh, you know, things that they're looking for. We just had a book recommendation recently for, I want, I, I'm a teacher or I'm a teen librarian and I want more books about cars. Yes. So we started right. with YA and, uh, and then from there we went to like, okay, well, what are books that have to do with engines? You know, we do a lot of creative Googling. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, once you have at least a few items of, uh, of uh, like search terms, it gets pretty easy. Yeah. And we also, I mean, I spend a lot of time looking at my own Goodreads list, you know, to like, oh, this kind of fits, this kind of doesn't fit. We've started trying to make lists of like writing down what the books we read and writing down what the wheelhouses for those books are. I know I have, and I know Mallory tried to too, because it's just gotten where we kind of need to know this stuff. But a lot of it is, there's a lot of books that we just recommend over and over again because if people haven't read them and they love queer characters or they want a feminist memoir, we're like, oh, we have that for you if you have right. not read this. So that, so there are definitely ones that we, uh, Mallory always says we have to retire certain ones because we'll recommend it too much. <laughs> yeah. um, but we, we try to, you know, always have those ones in our back pocket when people are like, you know, I think I might like sci-fi, but I don't know. We all, we have one we can recommend. Yeah, we definitely both have our, our, our like Swiss Army recommendations yeah. that we really, really like. And it helps Bria and I both read a lot. And we definitely have our particular wheelhouses, but um, we both read pretty widely, I think, for mm-hmm. readers. Um, and that, you know, that really, really helps. And, you know, being on a running a, a book, book podcast always helps because I feel like it brings us into the bookish community so we can see what books are coming out, what books are really fuzzy. Um, and uh, we're just sort of marinating in the book world all the time. <laughs> yeah. Those books that, that you know uh, will be a success, we call those sure bets in the library world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, That's nice. Go. Yeah. And they do, they have to be retired at a certain point. We are like, yeah. well, everyone's read Station Eleven, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But then that's, what's, what's interesting is we. I feel like both Brie and I have started to come up with books that are read like uh, Swiss Army recommendations that are read-alikes for things. A lot of people ask for Station Eleven. Mm-hmm. A lot of people ask for books like Cersei. Uh, yeah. you know, a lot of bo- people ask for um, 
books like Gideon the Ninth. So we, at this point, we're pretty good at being like, oh, you like this? Well, you'll also like this other stuff. Yeah. And we sort of know our crowd is a bit more horror sci-fi skewed um, than maybe the average crowd. So we are sort of more aware of what books that they might be reading as opposed to someone, to to a group that might just be reading memoirs or or literary fiction or something. Mm -hmm. So is that... How do you pick your own next reads, I guess? Well, uh, it, it changes year to year. I think we, bo- we both have had processes that we've used before this year. In particular, I'm, I've been reading a ton of 2022 releases, trying to read as many new releases as possible. As book podcasters, we get a ton of ARCs, both digitally mm-hmm. and physically. So I've been mostly reading my way through those. Um, but... I, those, I, I also read a lot from the library. I get, you know, anytime I see a book that looks really interesting, even if it's not a 2022 read, I'm like, oh, I want that. And I put it on my, my Libby holds, uh, which is great. And, um, you know, it's, it's e- even if we are reading a lot of new releases or, you know, reading a book for someone that's coming on the show, it's generally something we like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think either one of us ever reads something that doesn't seem interesting to us. Um, so it's sort of a mix of like, Work reading and pleasure reading is like concentrated pleasure reading, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I feel like we, well, if they're on the show, one of us likes them. So I think that that's the safe bet. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm also, I'm a big library user. So for me, it is pretty much like what library hold comes up. And then I'm like, I got to read this for, I have to return it. That's literally my system. It's not a very complicated system. I just feed books into that library hold uh, list and, um, uh, uh, you know, read them as, as they come up and within that three week period. Um, and, you know, <laughs> like we will try to, I'll try to do fun themes and like stuff if I'm traveling somewhere in particular, but a lot of times it's just what, what is available on the hold list or what I can get if I need to add a couple more for like what's available right at that moment. Yeah. So you're both, you talk about using your library a lot, which always, whenever you mention getting a book from the library, it warms my heart. And I, I don't know why, because a lot of people use the library, but I guess it's the same reason why I'll read any book with a librarian in it. I'm just attracted to things about me. No, we, um, love, we love the library. We love it. I worked yeah. at a library in high school. That was like my high school job. And it's just a place I think we both have always felt really comfortable with. And, you know, there were definitely many years in my life. I've always been a big reader, but I couldn't afford to buy books, mm-hmm. you know, when I uh, early in my career. And so I spent a ton of time at the Los Angeles Public Library, just picking up books and reading there and using the rooms for free and stuff. It was just such a big part of my life that I have never sort of left that behind. Like, it's still just a huge part of my life. And it's something that we really encourage on the show. You know, we get a lot of people who are like, I want to keep up with new books, but I can't afford to buy all of them. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, I want to try out a book and I'm not sure if I I should buy it yet. I mean, almost both of us feel like one of the best solutions to almost every literary problem you could have is going to the library. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, true. it's it's really a really helpful tool besides just the fact that, you know, how important libraries are to communities and something we really stress on the show and talk about quite frequently. Uh, it's just, it, it really is. If you read a lot or you don't read a ton, it's the, it's really the best place to go. If you're looking for a new read, um, if you are an e-reader, you know, getting, or I'm, I'm a big audiobook. actually both of us are big audiobook listeners and mm-hmm. it really blows people's mind when we tell them, Hey, you can get free audiobooks on your phone from the library. They're like, what? Yeah. Or yeah. ebooks, yeah. ebooks, people uh, never, yeah. they don't know about ebooks. And I, I mean, it's interesting because we, I, I have, you know, I, this, 
that, you know, book, doing book stuff has been really is a fun part of my life and it's a big part of my life, but a lot of people don't know that. So I, it will come up like, you know, when I'm shooting a movie, people will be like, ha, where are you getting all these books? Like, are you, how, are you going to the right. bookstore? And I'm like, no, the library, like on my phone. And that blows people away. So we're always mm-hmm. trying to spread the good news of the library. I love it. I appreciate your advocacy. <laughs> um, so the audience for this podcast is, is library workers. So here's your chance to say, not just what you like about using the library to meet your needs, but if there's anything you would change about how the library works to make it easier for you or something that you're like, oh gosh, I wish I could do this at the library. Is there anything like that that comes to mind or is it perfect? <laughs> I mean, we, I feel very lucky with because I have the Los Angeles Public Library System and it is a really nice system. Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to think of anything anybody's written in or anything like that. I mean, you know what the biggest question is people want to talk about is whether or not they should have more than one library card. <laughs> yes, that is the hottest thing. People, people right. We feel like book priests behind a confessional. People are like, hey, I've just moved, but I'm keeping my library. Is uh, that okay? Yeah. Is um, that okay? So that's been a big contentious issue on the show for sure. Do you want to weigh in as a librarian? Uh, I mean, oh, I can weigh in as a former, I mean, I, yes. I don't work in a library anymore, so maybe I can. Once a librarian, a always a librarian. Librarian I mean, is a state hand, of mind. The usage statistics are always good. But on the other hand, you're not like paying your fair share of property right. taxes to use that library. But I think probably ultimately most library staff would say the usage statistics outweighs the property taxes issue. That's interesting. That's that's something we haven't thought about. I think that, I mean, I both of us are hu- huge library users. I use the library. Both of us use the library literally every day. Both in our the fact that we're from readers and the fact that you know Bri and I are also both authors mm-hmm. uh, and filmmakers. You know, as a nonfiction author, it is literally impossible for me to work without the library. Yeah, and I to uh, deciding what to change would be hard to say because every library system is a little bit different. Um, I think the only thing I could think of that could I. I could recommend cross library systems, no matter what library is there, is that I think it would be cool if librarians and libraries publicize the fact, and maybe there's a reason why they don't, but uh, more widely publicize the fact that people can suggest books for them to buy. That's Mm -hmm. always a really uh, surprising fact when people find it out. They're like, I can ask the library to buy a book for me. And we're like, yeah, I mean, some, you know, but depending on the library system, you know, the like Los Angeles, for example, our library system, um, there's a form that you can fill out and it's really easy online. Some libraries make it easier. Some libraries make it harder, but I think that would make people a little more excited and um, apt to use the library. Besides the fact that finding out that you can get free audiobooks, eBooks, all this stuff, uh, knowing that you can have a, that people like can have a hand in mm-hmm. what their libraries uh, uh, carry, I think would be a, it's just a great thing. People get really stoked about it, especially, you know, as an author, I get a lot of people who say, oh my God, you know, I really want to pre-order your book, but I can't afford it. And I'm like, you know, you can tell your library to pre-order it. Right. right. You know, Definitely. And they're like, whoa, what? So making that um, more of a more publicized, I think would be uh, really cool. I also think we were just at the, um, the golden shrine of libraries, the <laughs> nicest library I've ever been to the Westport public library in Connecticut. And um, they had a, uh, a recording studio. They had a TV oh God, studio. So they had a three D printer. Yeah. It was wild. But one thing they had that I thought was like that we've talked about on the show, but a lot of people don't know it, um, are available is they had like 
a, a library of stuff you could rent. You could rent. Mm-hmm. So it was stuff like, um, you know, a stud finder or uh, things you don't want to buy, but you like need sometimes like um, a coffee maker, um, certain pans, yeah. yes, steamer, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we talk about how these things are available at the, your library on the show. But I felt like theirs were really well displayed. So like it was just like that yeah. simple thing where I could see them and I was like, oh, you could like, you know, that there's like a thing that you use to like you plug into your car and it tells you like what this code means, which like I don't want to own one of those. But no. the fact <laughs> that this library owns it would be good for me to know, like if the one down the street for me had one, I would like to know that information. But I am not exactly sure how to find the stuff if, if right. they have stuff they are renting out. I mean, I know a lot of libraries look, I mean, not every library has like that kind of, um, uh, the, the financing to do all of that, but I know a lot of them are, have done it and it's just mm-hmm. trying to find that information and making sure people are aware of, aware of it. We, we try mm-hmm. to make people aware, but even myself, like I actually don't know if the library down the street for me would rent me a steamer. Right. I don't think it would. Well, you don't know. I don't know. You know what? <laughs> but I'm going to figure I, it and out. Like how, who would even think to ask that? Unless it's advertised. Unless it's advertised. And theirs was like really well displayed. Like there was like a whole display shelf and it was like, you can rent, you can check out all of these things. And that seemed like a very like good way to know that. Yeah. Yeah. I think libraries are notoriously shy about their services. Yeah. Be that, loud, I mean, be proud, baby. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Feel like uh, there's a lot of people who have a very old fashioned idea of what libraries can do for a community. They kind of picture it as, as just a place for print books. And all three of us know, and anyone listening to this show knows that libraries are so, so much more than that. So mm-hmm. being really loud and, um, and uh, publicizing the, the services that libraries have, it's, I mean, it, it's never a bad thing. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So you both are voracious readers and you both are busy people. So how do you find time to read? Oh boy. I mean, what advice do you have for other busy people? We, we read in the cracks a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to, everybody spend, not everybody, but most people spend a lot of time a day on social media. And then, you know, the iPhone gives you that horrifying s- statistic at the end of every week. Like you spent 5 billion hours on your iPhone. Yes. It's, it, once you start thinking about those as like, why am I reading people complaining on Twitter when I could be reading a book right now and mm. carving out time for that? Um, I also, both of us are big proponents of just putting it on your to-do list. Like, hey, mm. I have to read today. And it may, for me, as a person who likes a to-do list and doesn't feel that I don't get anxious w- when, I, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm done with work. Instead of, like, watching something or sitting on, on, on Instagram looking at people's cute puppies, I should be I, – I can take an hour and read, you know, uh, read before bed, read in those, in those cracks in the day when you're not doing anything. And you can get a lot of reading done um, – with, with time that you might think you don't have, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I put, like putting a book of poetry on your phone. We're really big proponents of audiobooks. Like, you know, if you listen to an audiobook while you're cleaning your house, you can get, you can get through an audiobook. Like you, you'd be surprised. And I mean, I, I, as much as I wish I sat down for hours every day and read, I, I do not, I don't have the time. So I am re- reading in that 15, 20 minutes before bed. And you can get a book, you can get stuff read in that time, you know, like instead of scrolling my phone, I put the phone down and I just get spend that time reading and know that's like what I do right before bed. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And I think just like, 
I think the main thing is trying to prioritize it, knowing that it's good for your mental health, knowing it's something you want to do. That's that's uh, it will it will get done if you if you prioritize it. One of our uh, one of our big th- another big thing we talk about on the show a lot is not reading stuff that you don't like. And yeah. um, I, I we talk to people, and that seems to be one of the biggest drains on your reading time is that when you're reading a book you're not crazy about, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you don't want to make that time. Yeah. You know, we've all had that feeling of when you are reading a book you are like dying to know what happens next. In all of a sudden you have time to read. You're like, yeah. oh wait, I can I can spare half an hour before bed, or I'll read a little bit in the morning. So uh, if you're a librarian, you're a library worker, and you're maybe reading a book that you you know, is a big buzzy book that's coming out and you want to be able to talk about it, but it's not really for you and you're dragging your feet, dump it. Yeah. One, if you don't like it, you're not going to be recommending it to people. No. And you just feel like you're going to, if you feel like you are forcing your way through it, that's probably what a lot of people uh, are also going to feel. So just dump it and find some, there's no, never any shame. Even if you are halfway through the book, I have dumped Mm -hmm. a book before that I was three fourths of the way through. Yeah. You know, if you are not feeling it, just get rid of it. You will, I, and all of a sudden magically it feels like you will be reading way, way more. Yeah. I had uh, an old boss who told me she used to read while she blew her hair dry. I still have a video. Great. (laughs) But you find time. You do. Mm -hmm. You do. And I think it's, you know, I listen, we're not saying don't listen to podcasts. Obviously, we're a pro podcast. But there's a a lot of podcasts that I like will be listening to. I'm like, why am I listening to this? I could just be listening to an audio book that I really like that I'm really invested in, you know, I'm walking the dog or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's a different kind of listening. So reading glasses serves the whole reader. So you've got recommendations, you do book tech reviews, you answer ethical quandaries. Um, How do you guys keep up with what's going on in the book world? Honestly, I mean, the thing is, the the thing that the engine that powers reading glasses is the fact that Brie and I are both readers. Mm -hmm. You know, all of it is very, very genuine. You know, we don't sit there every Monday and like, look at all the hot book news and pick out things. We just, um, we, we see what things we're interested in talking about. And because we're so connected to like our, the reading glasses community is very robust and it's very active and Mm -hmm. we see what people are talking about. And we, I mean, we get emails literally every day. We probably get 50 to a hundred emails every week. So it's pretty easy and to judge by those emails, um, what people are thinking about, what people are caring about, what, um, what issues are affecting readers right now. Um, and that we get a lot of, uh, episode ideas from, from emails that we get, um, from things that people are sending us or tagging us in. So, uh, and you know, both of us, we listen to book podcasts, we read a lot, we are, we are readers, we talk to other readers. So we just sort of always gauge the temperature of like, you know, what's, what's going on. And, and to be honest, we don't always make episodes based on like what the new buzzy thing is. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we just, um, we'll, we will do things like kind of seasonally, you know, we have an episode coming up on like cozy books for September and autumn, but uh, it's just, sometimes it's just what we feel like talking about what interests us yeah i mean it's funny when we started the podcast five years ago we're we're with maximum fun network and they were like are are you gonna have enough like to do (laughs) like and we were like we think so because we were like we're not gonna do book reviews we're not gonna do book clubs we're just gonna talk about reading and it felt like would we but we now realized yes we will never run out of topics for reading glasses because Anytime we're talking, we're like, oh, we should do an episode on that. Like it just becomes, it's become sort of second nature to us to start 
thinking about it. And like Mallory said, the people are constantly bringing new things to, to light for us. So we, we're learning and we are, are hopefully serving our community by talking about the things we want to talk about because they're talking about them. Yeah. I mean, one of the best ways for us to figure out an episode topic is if a bunch of people email us and ask us a question about it. Uh, that happens all the time. Um, we had a the episode we did recently on book bags. We just, we were releasing mm-hmm. an episode um, very soon about navigating bookstores. We got a bunch of people writing about, oh my gosh, you know, I'm getting back to in-person bookstores after years of being in the pandemic. How do I figure out where to go? What books to buy? Is it cool to ask a bookseller? Certainly things and uh yeah so if enough people if like more than five to ten people email us about something i'll be like bria people are emailing us we got to talk about this (laughs) put it on the glasses so i think libraries are always trying to engage with patrons and have sort of lively online relationships is there something you guys did to foster your the reading glasses community or did it just sort of arise organically uh, well, I mean, the first thing, and this was Bria's idea, was right away we were like, we want to read people's emails on the show. Mm-hmm. And we definitely find that that makes people excited to listen. And every single time it happens, people tag us and they're like, oh, my God, reading glasses read my email today. <laughs> um, we do a lot of fan interaction. We do a lot of um listener events. We just did a readathon for the second time. And that was really fun. We have a, we have regular zoom parties with our paying listeners. Um, but it did kind of happen. I think it's sort of both Bria. Would you say people just like really got into it and got into the community um, pretty quickly. There was a Facebook group about it. Yeah. And I think group about it. I think there's also like, I mean, we are fortunate enough as a podcast to be on a network and um, the network helped publicize us at the beginning, which does help. Mm -hmm. And then also doing crossover things. So, you know, we have, we have friends on other shows uh, on our network and they would have us on. And that is a way just to find more people who might be interested in your podcast. And then just people who stuck around, um, who just felt like they were seeing themselves and what we were talking about. And we talk a lot about community and I think we're really honest, you know, like we don't know everything we're learning. We want to talk. We are, we, we're going to give you the information that we have. And I think people really respond to um, that authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that we really encourage on the show. I mean, just the, the, the whole reason the show was formed, you know, us talking about how we didn't want to make a show that was book reviews or, or about specific books. So it really encourages, it doesn't matter what you read. Um, you know, if you, what, I mean, Bree and I definitely skew genre, but we have authors on it. We talk about books from, you know, poets, poetry, memoirists, uh, literary fiction, doesn't romance authors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and co- graphic novels, so it doesn't really matter what you read. Um, so I think a lot of people feel very comfortable being in the community because they know that, um, they, they don't have to fit a specific profile of reader yeah. to be there. You know, we talk a lot also about, you know, it doesn't matter if you read one book a year, it doesn't matter if you read a hundred books a year. I think a lot of online bookish spaces can be feel very judgy, especially Instagram places or books mm-hmm. or book talk. You know, people might feel like they're not welcome there if they don't read as much or read a certain thing, you know, they read a certain thing. And that's very antithetical to what reading glasses is. We're like, we don't care how many books you read, we don't care what books you read. We just want to talk about reading. And there's a lot of people who um have maybe haven't felt comfortable in other bookish spaces that want that do feel comfortable in our community we're really proud of that um and i think uh 
So, you know, people can come to reading glasses and not wear and, and talk to other, as we call them, and as they call themselves, glassers, and just sort of know that they can talk about very common denominator things um, that, like, when, after the book bag episode we did recently went up, we had a huge discussion in our Slack channel about people <laughs> posting all their book bags yeah. and, you know, their favorite book bags. And it's that kind of stuff that makes people feel really excited to be part of the community and excited to pers- participate, talk to other people, meet other people. And um, it's a huge, again, we're really proud of it. And it's a huge joy for us. That's, I mean, it's such a, such a fun podcast to listen to and it's such a great community. So to conclude, since this is how you start your show, but let's end with it here. What are you guys reading and loving right now? I am reading a book that I got from the library. Very excited about it. Um, It's called Ordinary Monsters by J.M. Miro. And it's a sort of buzzy, I think it's a book talk book. Um, But it was one of those books that it just looked very autumnal. And I was really excited when the hold had come in this week. It's an adult book. It's a honker. I think it's like, it's deceiving as I'm reading it via Kobo. The ebook came in through through Libby. So there's always that weird feeling where you're like, oh, this is a giant book but I can't tell I think it's like 700 pages or something Uh, but it's fantastic it's like historical fantasy about this uh, school in Bria you'll love this it's in Edinburgh in Scotland (laughs) buzziest location for books in 2022 for some reason Um, it's a school for kids with as they call them talents and I would call it magic but it's a little it doesn't feel it's not like um like magical boarding school esque in that way. These kids have like one particular thing they can do. And it's kind of disturbing. Uh, you know, one girl can like make turn dust into like a live, like a golem and do stuff with it. One kid has like a flesh creature that follows him around. And so cool. I know it's really good. Um, but the, so it's basically like, it, it doesn't feel like cozy in that way. Cause it's, these kids aren't particularly happy about this, <laughs> but these, uh, the school has sort of rounded them up all over the world and brought them to this place. And of course there's someone after these kids and there's a lot of, um, there's this monster that's after them and there's this other guy that's after them. And there, the, there's this, uh, human, uh, normal human no no powers investigator lady who is has taken a shine to these kids and she's trying to protect them Uh, it all takes place in the 1800s so it's like it's very sprawling uh and you get very deep it feels almost stephen king asking the way that it is you get deep dives into all of the characters every character you end up knowing their whole life story where they came from where they grew up but um it's really immersive and i'm really really enjoying it um and i'm it's like a perfect september read so i'm really happy Yay. And I'm reading, I just started last night a Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers, which nice. came oh, up about cozy. Yeah. Well, so we did like a, a half year uh, um, survey of like, what's the best, what are the best books that have come out in the first six months of the year? And um, this came up, right? This is on the list, Mallory. I think this is oh, for sure. This is a big glasser book. Um, and neither of us had read it. I don't think. Have you read it, Mallory? I just read it recently, finally. Oh, uh, okay. I actually reason. don't. No, 100% what it's about, but I believe it is about a monk that gives tea and advice to people, and there's going to be a robot at some point. I believe that's... And it's, like, set on, like, a, a, a another planet. So it's, like, a sci-fi sort of uh, book. It's, it's like, Chamber cozy sci-fi. Yeah, it feels very cozy. There's a lot of tea talk so far, and you know what? I'm here for that. I, I'm really <laughs> excited to... When, when it's, like, the, oh, here's various <laughs> herbs all in one place, I... <laughs> Give that to me. Um, yeah, we get a lot of recommendations from the glassers, which is really 
exciting. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely it's 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 a two way system. You know, we yeah. recommend books. We talk about books all the time on the show, um, but then we get people writing in who people write will write in to recommend books to us. We do a big, you know, twice a year now we do a um, a survey for you know what your favorite books of the year so far are, mm-hmm. and people, you know, I did the same thing. I said, oh my god, people are loving this book. I got to yeah. read it. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining me and for sharing your your wisdom with us at shelf care. We really appreciate oh God, it. It feels so, it feels so fancy to like us. give wisdom to life. You have workers. wisdom. <laughs> you guys are wise. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Say, do you like reading? Do you like hearing what authors have to say about their writing? Then you've just got to hear the shelf care interview. It's a quick conversation between a book lister and a book person about their work, their inspiration, and whatever else we can fit in under 15 minutes. Hear Maggie Reagan talk to Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds about Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. Hear Ronnie Curry chat with Susan Mwadi Daraj and Simon Nurali about their series for young readers, Farah Rocks and Sadiq, or to Saba Tahir, Nicole Andelfinger, and Sonia Lau and their graphic novel, A Thief Among the Trees. Hear Julia Smith talk to Tracy Hecht about the Nocturnal series, and more. Can you believe there's more? You can find the Shelf Care interview right on this here podcast feed or wherever you listen to Booklist Shelf Care the podcast. Happy listening! Hello, this is audiobook editor Heather Booth. Here at Booklist right now, we're in the thick of our editor's choice lists and top of the list picks and writing about them and talking about them internally. And there's just so much good stuff coming your way in December, and I really want to talk about it, but I can't because that's for next month. So instead, I decided to talk today about what isn't making my cut. So I'm going to talk today about audios that you will never appear on any listen-alike list, let alone one of Booklist's editor's choice lists. Since Booklist is a recommendation-only journal, of course, I'm not going to be naming actual names, but I'm sure you have your own ideas of what you can fill in the blanks with. So number one is a dry read of a book full of humor. So recently I started listening to something with such promise that it jumped in front of many other books on my queue. But unfortunately, I started listening and I just knew I was missing something. If I could detach a little piece of my brain to hear the words as they were read and then reinterpret them myself, I could definitely find the humor. But unfortunately, the audio production just missed it. Humor is really subjective, which makes it notoriously hard to recommend. So when you do find that audiobook that just nails the humor and makes you laugh out loud, be sure to make a note of it so you can recommend it to your patrons. Number two is that one voice. You know which one, though it's probably not the same as mine. But just about every audiobook listener has one. Some voices just don't sit with everyone the same way, and there's no shame in that. And sometimes those narrators try out a new character voice for a different title, and suddenly I can completely see the appeal. In fact, for that reason, there is definitely a strong chance that you may see some of these voices on a list here and there. And sometimes even that voice gets it right. Number three is workbooks or instructional guides without an accompanying PDF. You might be thinking, well, what's the point of an audio workbook? Or if you need the PDF, why didn't you just get the print book? Well, because there's a time and a place for both of them. 
Audiobooks that are largely instructional or workbooky can be wonderful for consuming necessary information during downtime, for auditory learners, or for those with accessibility needs. But if a narrator just sails through a list of writing prompts or formulas and the producer doesn't include a way to access them, well, I may be getting some great info, but I'm missing the author's intent on how I, the reader, ultimately interact with the book. Number four, we've all encountered this, is the well-intentioned celebrity narrator. These are books that are graced with a voice you've heard beaming from the big screen, one you've known since childhood, one with gravitas and a bunch of acting awards, and these often start out and make you swoon. But by chapter 18, they're cutting corners on some of the character voices, by the 20th hour, their pacing is off, and by the final chapters, well... You just know that this is their first audiobook rodeo, and they vastly underestimated the amount of work it takes to record an audiobook. In her recent romance, Thank You for Listening, about an audiobook narrator, author and audiobook narrator herself, Julia Whalen's main character, shares this advice to a wannabe narrator. If you think the job's for you, get a book, go in a closet, and read it out loud, correcting every single audible mistake, never making a sound while you turn a page and not moving, or making any weird mouth noise, or shuffling your clothes in any way that anyone else could hear, and do that all day for several days. It almost makes filming an action movie sound easy. And not all famous actors are up to the task, which is why we have our wonderful audiobook narrators that we love so much. Number five is an honorable mention. You will find these books all over our best of lists, but that doesn't mean I don't sigh and groan just a little bit. Number five is a full cast narration where the narrators aren't identified with character names. Sometimes it's unavoidable, like if each narrator plays multiple parts and there's no definite main character in the book, but almost all of the time there are through lines with narrators. Just tell me who they are. As a reviewer and an editor, this is extremely helpful, but it's an essential courtesy for a listener who really wants to hear their favorite narrators, or for those of us who just need to hear more of that one narrator that we heard on that full cast recording, but which one was it? Producers, please give us a cast list. Your narrators deserve the credit. So that's my do not list list. What's on yours? Drop me a line at booklist underscore audio until Twitter implodes. Until next time, this is Heather Booth. Happy listening. So I'm here with Maggie Reagan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Susan. What is going on? Anything exciting? I think the last time I was here, we talked about what a beautiful sunny day it was. So I regret to report that today it's a dark, gray, stormy day. It is the opposite today. But, you know, it's very autumnal as we record this. It feels moody and a little spooky. Sure is. We're coming up on the end of October. So, yeah, Halloween is approaching. And at Booklist, we are just wrapping up our end of the year lists. Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, I'll never get used to having to think about it so far ahead of time, I think. Yeah. I've been doing this for five years, but um, I'm pretty excited for people to see what we picked for a top of the list. I can't wait to see what you've picked. Yeah. And I'm, ex- I'm excited about it this year. So I think there was something when we were voting, I was kind of thinking that I was going to be happy no matter what we ended up with. So yeah, I like that haul this year. Although it makes the decision harder because it's like, well, it we can't go wrong. So then what are we going to pick? Yeah, you can't go wrong, but you also can't go right. Right. But that's for the December episode of Shelf Care. Mm -hmm. 
wait and see. Yeah. So people can look forward to that. But since in the meantime, what have you been reading and loving and enjoying? Well, since wrapping shelf care, absolutely nothing. Or since wrapping editor's choice, absolutely nothing. Right. Well, that was last Um, week. So (laughs) I've been, yeah, laying in a puddle on my floor, just trying not to absorb any information. But um, so I'll take you back to the summer. Yeah, I, I mean, along with most of the country have been sick a lot. Yeah. (laughs) This year. And I was like, I've been like big sick. Like I was diagnosed officially with a chronic illness in March. So a lot of my reading um, has kind of been, has either like reflected that or been in reaction to that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've, I've been kind of reading a lot of books um, with me to kind of help me like process that. So one that I, picked up over the summer that I've been really uh well I have to read it in little doses because it's kind of a lot um but it's really good is Tessa Miller's What Doesn't Kill You um, A Life with Chronic Illness Lessons from a Body in Revolt so it's she has Crohn's and um I think she has a very intense case of Crohn's but she's a journalist so this is her memoir but it's kind of set up like every chapter is like half kind of like a journalist examination of what she's going through at different stages and then have like uh, her personal recollections and how she's reacting to it. So um, it's very intense and yeah. uh, hashtag triggering, but um, <laughs> right. also really good. So I've been, it's, I've kind of turning into one of those people who every time I like talk to somebody about it, I'm like, well, this book gave us readings. And, um, I'm like, no, that's good. That's what, that's how you're supposed to be. Yeah. My therapist says, but it's, it's, um, I, but I, I've been getting a lot out of it too. And then I haven't read this one yet, but next up on my list, I think this one is also on Obama's list, um, <laughs> is Megan O'Rourke's The Invisible Kingdom. So, What's that subtitle there? Uh, it is Reimagining Chronic Illness. All right. So it's not I, a subtitle. I wanted you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how she reimagines it because I haven't read this one yet, but um, this will probably be my Christmas book in that I will read it. <laughs> over Christmas break. Fun. Um, and then the other things that I have been reading have been uh, to kind of counteract that, which is I've been reading so many rom-coms. Yeah. Oh, this is a good time for them. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, so that, that sort of, that th- those books are, I find them very helpful, but they also like are real downers. Right. Um, and then I have to, I have to come back up. So, and uh, because I'm, I'm in the YA sphere, I always sort of end up picking up rom-coms that are, they're, they're either like adult rom-coms that are written by authors who have written a lot in YA and are mm-hmm. like now writing an adult rom-com or um, sometimes it's like adult writers are now coming to YA. So there's a lot yeah. of reveal. So some of my favorites from this past year are I read Katie Catunia's Birds of California. Ooh, yes. It is about a former child actor who had to drop out of um, the spotlight after she basically, basically like Lindsay Lohan and like, like had like a spectacular like public crash and burn for a kind of legitimate reason, but nobody the tabloids don't care why and nobody mm-hmm. like, really knows why. Um, but then like 10 years later, she's living kind of like a quiet, peaceful life. And 
they decide they want to reboot the show she was on and her co-star like his he's still trying to make it as an actor and his career really needs a boost so he like comes to try to convince her to be on this revival <laughs> what happens yes um, i remember that one when that because that's an adult book and so i remember when that review came in and i really wanted to read that one i'm glad you enjoyed it I did. I, yeah, I kind of went through that one because um, it's just really, I mean, it, it gets into, I really am liking how rom-coms these days are like really wrestling. I mean, because this one gets into like, it's like kind of Hollywood and the post Me Too and it like really wrestles with some meaty stuff, but it keeps all of the things that like you love about a rom-com. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like there's two, two camps of rom-com. One is like total escapist where like nothing that happens in the real world ever happens in these books it's just you know we're at a wedding and we met and it was embarrassing but now it's cute Um, and then ones that take what's happening in the real world and make it palatable I guess like the line between the like romance and women's fiction yeah Uh, maybe although romance can deal with some pretty heavy stuff in a in a nice way yeah But, but yeah I think it is that often publishers divide it by like women's fiction and you're like how much you're gonna cry or something setting up the expectations of the genre and like what it's gonna do for you right i don't know um well i'm working my way through the emily henry's now i just picked one up at a bookstore and i can't wait to read it i got i think i got beach read I just finished Beach Read, and I'm not going to show it to you on this video because I dropped it in my bathtub. Oops. Um, which was appropriate for the book, but it's, it looks nuts. It's, I mean, I really liked it. It was, I, th- her books are definitely perfect for anyone who like works in publishing or a publishing adjacent field because I felt, I felt so seen by that book to the point where I dropped it in my bathtub and then like I had to like fish it out and dry it on my radiator and like. Yeah keep reading it while it was still damp but <laughs> it was yeah I really loved it oh all right well that's an amazing selection of I don't want to say high and low because that's not that's not the right <laughs> dichotomy but Heart uh, serious and escapist yeah perfect I love I love that list well thanks for sharing And um, I hope you have a lot of fun reading ahead of you. As do I. Okay. And that's it for this episode of Shelf Care, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed reading Glasses Mallory and Bria's insights into reading and recommending. And thank you to Heather Booth and Maggie Reagan for sharing their editorial insights. If you enjoyed this episode, won't you leave us a review? That will help more people find shelf care and get this collection development and reader's advisory info into their own ears. Until next time, happy reading! Happy reading.